This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our monthly Bright Focus chat presented by the Bright Focus Foundation. My name is Guy Eakin. I'm a former researcher and also the Vice President of Scientific Affairs at Bright Focus. So the theme of today's chat topic, and it's all about AMD every time we do these chats, but we're going to talk today specifically about protecting your vision. So if you'd like to submit a question at any time during today's call, please press star 3 to submit your question to an operator. And if for some reason you're disconnected from the call, here's the number to call back in. It's 877-229-8493. So what the prior we've had many prior conversations. I want to remind people that those recordings and transcripts are all on our web on our website at brightfocus.org backslash past chat and you can also listen to archive recordings on the telephone by calling one seven seven three five seven two three one six four and some of the topics we've covered have been specific therapies uh, specific risk factors for macular degeneration coping strategies so there's really a wealth of information out there but today's topic is going to be vision and we're going to get things started by talking to one of the good friends that we have at our foundation what person we're going to use only her first name and she her name is Madeline She's a patient from New York who's been living with wet AMD. And she's going to share a bit of her story and provide some of her tips to listeners today. So, Madeline, do we have you on the line? Yes, you do. Well, we'd love to hear what, you, uh, what your experience has been with wet AMD and what, what things you're doing to, uh, to, to make life a little easier for yourself. Okay. Um, I've been living with wet AMD for four years now. But first, I'd like to say uh, that I'm honored, and, and thank you all for the wonderful work that you're doing with people, for people like me living with this age-related wet macular degeneration. Um, the work that each and every one of you do matters so much to me and to all of us. Uh, I'd like to encourage you to, people to be more proactive with their overall eye health raised by raising an awareness about AMD and provide hope and support to the people who are affected by it. And in doing so, it really has helped me to live with it. It makes my life more positive. Um, I never imagined I'd ever be speaking to people about what AMD for myself. Um, having grown up with my father, who was legally blind all his life from another disease called retinitis pigmentosa, I had quite an awareness throughout my life about my overall eye health. So it was a yearly thing that I did take care of my eyes. Um, before my journey began, I was a teacher for 33 years, and I'd been wearing reading glasses from about the time I was in my 50s. Um, near the end of my um, years of teaching, after 33 years, um, I decided to retire. And um, that June 2010, I did go to see my eye doctor, and uh, which was my yearly exam, and everything was fine. He gave me some glasses to help my vision my, uh, for driving because I was getting it was getting a little bit weak. And that was in June. Um, not more than three or four weeks later, I woke up one morning trying to watch the uh, morning news, and I noticed my eye was very blurry. My eyes, something was wrong. 
I covered one eye and covered the other and realized that my right eye, my central vision, had a big dark spot, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, called my doctor right away, and uh, he made me come in, and he examined me, and he said, I think what you have is weight AMD, and he referred me immediately to a retina specialist. In the meantime, it took about two or three weeks to get an appointment. In the meantime, there was a, a horrible tragedy in my family. I, I'd lost my little granddaughter just shy, of, just shy of her seventh birthday from a genetic heart defect. So the grief and the pain that went with all that and with my family was pretty difficult to cope with. But my my sister had come in out of town, from out of town to be with the family, and she encouraged me and made sure I went three weeks later to see the specialist. Um, after several hours of tests, including a dilated eye exam and an angiogram, he diagnosed me with wet AMD. It's also the day I received my first injection as part of my specialist recommended treatment plan. He suggested I start immediately in an effort to help maintain my vision. And I know a lot of people may be afraid of getting the eye injections. I would have been afraid too, but I knew we had to act quickly, and I honestly didn't have too much time to be scared. Um, Whenever I'm speaking to people about being proactive about their eye health, I always stress how extremely important it is to work with your healthcare team and treat the wet AMD immediately or as soon as possible. I also tell them uh, if they're afraid or uncomfortable, to let your healthcare team know, let your doctor know. There's no reason why you shouldn't have any kind of major discomfort with these treatments. Um, if so, go to a doctor who, who will treat you differently and, and uh, find a specialist who will make you as comfortable as possible. Uh, I encourage you to be, um, I'm sorry, I can't see my, my paperwork. I also encourage them to bring a loved one with them to their appointments for support, um, a friend, a family member. It really does help. After several uh, appointments and many, many months of treatments, it finally sunk into me that I could lose my central vision. Um, it was getting harder and harder for me to drive on rainy days and especially at night. Uh, just thought, just the thoughts of having to depend on other people to drive me around was kind of scary and losing my independence. Um, it's difficult as an independent person. My family stuck by me, my friends, my daughters, and continued to encourage me to continue with my treatments. I went through a period of not wanting to continue. Uh, got very discouraged, but again, family and friends really did encourage me. Um, eventually, I found the strength from within. I thought about my dad and, and how he fought his life and lived his fight, life to the fullest, even though he had limited sight. I thought about the courage and, and what my son had gone through losing his daughter and, and remembered how brave he's been. And I decided to continue um, to be proactive with my eye health. I researched wet AMD, learned the importance of identifying and tracking wet AMD symptoms. Using the AMSLA grid is very, very important. I keep one on the refrigerator. I gave them to my family. There is a um, genetic factor here involved. All my children have them in their, in their homes on the refrigerator, and I encourage them as they're aging 
to look at them on a daily basis. It's very, very important. Risk factors, if you smoke, stop. If you haven't, that's even better. Monitor your blood pressure, your cholesterol, eating a healthy and nutritious diet. Um, I also work more openly with my doctor. Whenever I'm sharing my, I'm sorry, whenever I'm sharing my story, I always encourage others to do the same. If, I, if I'm not proactive about my overall high, eye health, then who will be? We have to be proactive about our health, especially our eye health. With the help of my specialists and these eye injections, I've maintained my vision. I encourage people to be more proactive about their eye health and open communi- uh, openly communicate with their doctor. I went from thinking that there was very little could be done to treat my OMD to being very hopeful. I'm still able to bowl. I still paint. I garden. Most importantly, I can still see the faces of my beautiful grandchildren. What's more, my family is showing signs of spiritual healing. And I hope, and I'm so glad I'll be able to see them, especially for my son. I may not have been able to do that had I given up my fight with that red AMD. My family's love and support has helped me to accept my red AMD and continue my treatments. There was a point where I was in denial on this disease, and, and that happened a lot. I just couldn't accept the fact that I could permanently lose my sight, my central vision. But, again, my strength, family strength and, and perseverance has helped me to persevere. Um, I, I think about my head. I'm sorry. Well, I was just saying, I, you know, we spend a lot of time talking to people about all these uh, all these things about wearing sunglasses and eating well, uh, and your your message of you know where how you've been able to come to a very positive and a very can do attitude. Mm-hmm. It's something we hear a lot. It's something that uh, many of our speakers and I, I, I should say our callers as well, you know, they've all acknowledged as as part of the the secret of their success so i you know as you um as you kind of finish up what you, you know what you were what you were saying you know what mm-hmm. what are the things that really helped you get to that place to to have a very positive attitude i think i interrupted you as you were starting to talk about some of your families but what are those things that helped you reach the place where you are now um talking to other people other people who have this this disease, uh, other um, patient ambassadors, how they've continued, how they're positive, how they they push me to be positive, um, tell me that it, it's it the injections, the treatments may be somewhat uncomfortable, but uh, it's it's what's going to maintain what vision I do have. Uh, to take care of it immediately, not to let it go, um, to continue to, on the diet and the sunglasses. Um, I, I stop and I say to myself, hey, it could be worse. It's my eyes. There's treatment that will continue to help me maintain my vision, and I think that's what's kept me going. If I were to be told that there was nothing they could do, then it might be a different story, but there there, there are things that you can do. Well, I'm glad to hear that. We we do have another caller joining us and a mm-hmm. specialist, uh, Dr. Jared Davies. Are you there now? 
I am here. <laughs> All right, wonderful. So Dr. Jer- Doc- Dr. Davies, I should say, is an OD and a FCOVD, which uh, that's uh, all those numbers are something you'd see on his door. But what that means is he's an optometrist as well as a fellow of the College of Optometrists and Vision Development, which means they specialize in vision therapy and neurovisual rehabilita- rehabilitation. Um, I was wondering if you could give us a bit of an introduction and maybe some advice on our theme of protecting vision. Sure. So I appreciate the opportunity to be on the call, and I appreciate Madeline's comments as well, because it's fun to hear the patient side of things as well. But I am passionate about macular degeneration. I actually have a grandfather that has macular degeneration, and so there is a genetic disposition in my family. And let me start with that as far as something that needs to be talked about because it's very important that you communicate to your kids and your grandkids that you do have macular degeneration and that there is a genetic role to macular degeneration. It's also important to know your own family history and understand that role as well. Um, Other risk factors include being Caucasian, Um, As far as gender goes, females are more apt to macular degeneration than males. The more birthdays you have, the more likely you are to have macular degeneration. And I speak in terms of birthdays because I don't like to talk about people's age. Thank Um, you. (laughs) Smoking. Yeah. Smoking is also a risk factor and then prolonged exposure to the sun as well. And the best thing you can do for for yourself is to stop smoking if you are smoking. Uh, Make sure you're actually getting annual eye exams. There's certainly, you're much better off if we can detect the problem early and be able to start counseling you and helping you through macular degeneration and counseling you on those things that may help you in your particular case. Um, as Madeline mentioned, it's very important to use the Amsler grid and make sure that you're self-monitoring. Um, maintaining a, a good diet is important and making sure that you are eating lots of leafy greens and then protecting yourself from the sun by wearing sunglasses. So those are all things that can be steps to take to address it and and make sure you're preventing the macular degeneration from getting worse. Well, we've had two speakers talk about the the Ampler grid, and I I, I think you know maybe it's because of my job, but I you know I have dozens of Ampler grids strewn throughout my life, and you know those are the people around me. So I see a lot of them out there. You know they have varying sizes and varying colors, and probably the typical one is you know maybe the size of the palm of my hand with with grids that are maybe spaced about the size of my pinky nail. But, uh, you know, how do I know it's giving me the right information? So what's the right way to use an AMSOR grid if they're so important? So, Dr. Davies, could you could you let us know what, what's the best way to, uh, to use an AMSOR grid for your patients? Absolutely. So if you wear glasses or reading glasses, wear them while you use the AMSOR grid. 
and make sure the grid's about the same distance from your eyes as any other reading material you would use. Um, you want to do it one eye at a time, so you're going to cover one eye, focus on the dot in the center of the grid, and then you look to see if any of the lines are wavy or blurred or distorted. All the lines should be straight. Every intersection should form an, a right angle. All the squares should be about the same size on the grid. And you pay attention to if there's any dark areas. Make sure you can see all the corners and the sides of the grid. And make sure you test both eyes. So test one eye and then repeat the same thing with the other eye. Any irregularity, you should make sure you talk to your doctor about. If you have doubts that you're using the right Ansler grid, talk to your doctor as well and make sure that you're using one that's appropriate. Um, I know there's one available on the Bright Focus website. I think it's brightfocus.org slash Amsler, A-M-S-L-E-R. And I have used that one before, and that one is a good Amsler grid to print out on your own. So hopefully that answers the question. I, I, absolutely. I, I, I mean, the take-home there I heard in particular is like, you know, don't use it with both eyes open, you know, Check check one eye at a time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I think one of the next questions we have, we're having a conversation about preventing AMD, and a lot of the people on the call right now uh, probably already have some form of macular degeneration. You know, but but maybe worrying about their children. And so we know that maybe 40% of AMD cases, at least in the U.S., are influenced by a particular mutation in a gene called. CFH, and so that it can, you know, that that risk can clearly be passed from generation to generation. But Madeline, you know, after after talking about these risk factors and talking to, you know, hearing Dr. Davies talk about these risk factors, you know, uh, what are the approaches you take, and what do what is it that you tell your children or or loved ones about? about protecting your vision. You said a few of the things but earlier in your talk, but what when do you find the right time to talk to someone about uh about AMD and protecting their vision? When do I find the right time? There is no right time. It's all the time. I make sure they all have an Android grid on their refrigerator. I make sure I encourage them to use it and look at it because I can remember prior to being diagnosed having trouble as a teacher. My students would be working with a graph paper and I would take my glasses on and off and think, what's wrong with my eyes? Is it just maybe I'm tired? And I saw the distortion but didn't know that it was a sign of macular degeneration way back five, six years ago, seven years ago. No one, I had no, had no awareness, and that's so important. It maybe had I gone earlier and mentioned that, had I known it was a factor, um, I might have been saved. I might have been able to save more of my vision uh, with the treatments. Um, like I said, all my kids. All my, my children have it on their refrigerator, and I talk to them all the time. Or they're always asking me how I'm doing and how my eyes are and how the treatments are going. So there is no right or wrong time. It's whenever you can. Well, thank you. I'm sure certainly that helps some people get an encouragement to have that dialogue with the with the mm -hmm. people they care about in their lives. I want to remind people, if you have a question you want to pose to our speakers, then press star 3, and that will take you temporarily out of the call. You'll talk to one of our operators. They'll take down the question, and they'll return you into the call. So, Dr. Davies, we've often heard about the AREDS 
vitamin formula for macular degeneration, and it helps people, you know, with AMD protect their vision, you know, particularly if they're at the intermediate stages. And I, I, I recently saw at a conference, I saw a presentation from a Bright Focus funded investigator that suggests that Asian diets, you know, lessen risk. And these were studies that, you know, undoubtedly need to be repeated before you'll see them in textbooks. But they said, you know, whole grains, fruits and vegetables, seafood, limiting red meat. But I'm curious for you in your practice, you know, what are the other foods or vi- vitamins beyond that ARIDS formula that that you talk to your patients about? And, you know, where what's going on in those foods and what foods should we be eating if we're trying to protect our vision? Sure. You know, the, the biggest thing I usually talk to patients about is eating more vegetables because I don't think anyone eats enough vegetables. Um, and mostly with... In conjunction with the AREDS formula, I mean, we look at the things they put in it and the, the vitamins that are included in there are in your fruits and vegetables, uh, lutein and zeaxanthine that are in the AREDS 2 formula are mostly in your leafy green vegetables. And I think if people would eat five to seven servings of vegetables a day, then they would do a lot better off. And I I think that's kind of that Asian diet more is the grains and vegetables. And um, we certainly don't have those same habits in the United States. Uh, By and large, unfortunately. We don't, uh, me included, unfortunately. So, um, are there others that you that you have in in your list of uh, of preferred uh, preferred foods to recommend? So, you know, in addition to leafy green, usually I'm telling people follow kind of the current government diet. You know, when I was young, the government had the food square and. It basically, one corner of it was fruits and vegetables, one corner of it was grains, one corner of it was meats, and one corner of it was dairy. And they have since gone to a pyramid and now to a plate. And their message with the plate is that half of your plate should be fruits and vegetables. And I think that's a much easier way to think of things is to say, you know, look at your plate and see, is at least half of your plate fruits and vegetables, and are we limiting the amount of meats we eat? So, and the fruits and vegetables, you want to eat ones that are dark and rich in color and, um, you know, a wide variety as well. So, I don't necessarily recommend any specific fruits and vegetables. I do tell people that spinach has a lot of lutein and zeaxanthin in it, which was in the AREDS 2 study, and that's probably the highest concentration of lutein and zeaxanthin is spinach. Um, but I don't necessarily recommend any exact specifics. More just making sure at least half of what you eat is fruits and vegetables. So as our as our caller questions begin to come in, we we did have a question from uh, from Irene in California, and I, I should say based on the question, it's probably sunny California. She she asked if it's okay to to lie in the sun with her eyes closed but no sunglasses, so maybe taking a nap on the beach. You know, is that bad, or does the eyelid provide enough protection from the UV rays? You know, that is a great question. Um, there are There's only one study that I know of that talks about how much the eyelid protects from UV rays, and it, it does pretty well. However, the problem is that your eyelid is very susceptible to skin cancer as well because it is a thin layer of skin. So UV rays are not the greatest thing for your eyelid either. 
So even if we take that one study that says that it is blocking most of the UV light, we should keep in mind that it's not just about the UV light that gets in your eye, but also the UV light that gets on your eyelids too. So, And I, I generally don't like to rely on just one study for facts. Um, we want to make sure there's multiple studies in that same area. But we think, based on that study, like I say, that it blocks somewhere between 75 and 80% of the UV. Um, but again, we would just be concerned about the UV that's hitting the eyelid. And on top of that, you're probably not keeping your eyes closed all the time when you're in the sun. So. So so if I'm going to put on these uh, sunglasses and I'm going to go out and buy myself a new pair of sunglasses, what what am I looking for? How do I select the right type? So, you know, the best thing to do is good, go to a good ophthalmic shop that you know is going to provide quality sunglasses. I would definitely not go buy your glasses from the dollar store because um, we don't know if those have the appropriate UV blocking in them. Even if they say it, sometimes they don't. Now, in general, most sunglasses that you buy are going to block UV, but the the best way to find out for sure is to talk to your optometrist and make sure that the, the sunglasses that you're buying are good quality. So I'd like to encourage people, as there's some many questions, we're trying to keep to a theme of uh, of prevention you know, today, but if you have questions I'd, uh, that are of other topics, I'd either encourage you to look at some of the transcripts and other calls that we've had, or just call in to our 800 number. We'll be happy to answer some of those questions offline. That's 1-800-437-2423. And if you have a question about, uh, about prevention and helping uh, control macular degeneration, then go ahead and press star three to submit that question to, to our operators. While we're waiting for more of those questions to to come in, I'll, I'll ask a, ask a question to Madeline. That's about uh, about how we we adhere and make sure we're 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 taking full advantage of what's been prescribed to us. So it, adherence to our treatment plan. So we know from studies that vision is best preserved and it's monitored if we go to our appointments on time and on a regular basis. And for a lot of people, that's more easily said than done. And I'm, I'm curious if, if you've had barriers that get in the way of you getting to your eye care provider and if there's anything that you've done in your life that you've found beneficial to overcoming that barrier and helping you get to the doctor who's going to uh, help, help prevent that vision loss. Yes, um, there was a period of time when I had a hard time getting someone uh, to take me there. So I was driving myself and driving myself home after these injections, which I found really difficult to do. And I finally uh, got an, uh, a friend of mine, a neighbor of a neighbor, and she takes me down and brings me back. Oh, or I have a family member drop me off and and pick me up after the appointment if they're not working. Uh, that was a pretty big barrier for me, uh, getting back and forth, because uh, my doctor's appointment, the doctor that I dealt with, was like almost an hour away from my home. So that was hard. Um, I did uh, find a doctor that was nearby one of my daughter's homes, so I was able to drive myself home. But Getting someone to take you and bring you back makes it a lot more comfortable for you because 
not that you're in a great deal of pain, but you're uncomfortable and you need to close your eyes and you need to rest. Um, that was my biggest barrier, getting back and forth. I've heard was so many people. Sure. I've Pardon? heard so many people talk about how they've relied on their, their friends and family. Uh, and to great, you know, to great advantage. It's, of course, what many of those family members want to do is to be able to help. Dr. Davies, in your, in your community, are there other resources that are available through the community to help people get to, the, uh, to, to your appointments? You know, there are some other resources as far as um, companies that will pick you up and bring you to the appointment and, and make sure they take you home. Uh, we do see a lot of family members helping, though, and it's certainly prefer preferable if you have family members to have them come with you because sometimes there's things that they need to hear as well. So. So we're um, at this question. I'll have to go to Dr. Davies as well. Uh, we have many patients that see a temporary improvement right after the therapeutic injections, and that that temporary improvement, as temporary, you know, suggests, it, it does disappear. I'm curious if if there's anything a patient can do to prolong those transient improvements in vision. You know, that's a great question as well. I certainly think all the preventative measures we've talked about can can help, um, but many a times the injections, it's kind of a case-by-case -case basis because everyone responds slightly differently to those injections. And uh, there's certainly room for more research in that area and more that we can do to understand it better. And uh, as the medications improve that we inject, I mean, that's certainly going to change as well. Okay. Okay, so let's move on. We have a question coming from uh, from Gay in California who's asking an opinion about OLP lenses that block out blue light and are are advertised to, uh, to help prevent macular degeneration from progressing. Do you have an opinion about about these blocking about the role of blue light and and whether or not whether or not it's worth trying to block out? Yeah, and there is actually a lot of interesting research right now in blue light. And when we talk about blue light, it's usually the light that's coming from television screens, iPads, tablets, telephones now, or excuse me, our cell phones now. And because we have so much more screen time than we used to, we're, we are certainly looking into it more and learning more about it. But yeah, the current research is showing that blue light actually does contribute to macular degeneration and some of these new technologies that are out and there's several different ones that do it several different companies that make those blue light blocking lenses um, I am actually starting to recommend those even to kids because kids are spending so much time in front of the screens and and I don't think it will hurt anyone to use them at all I mean it certainly is something that's looking promising as another risk prevention well, there you have it. I, uh, I we're happy to he happy to hear about that. We certainly want to be able to include and uh, and add to the information that we have on our brightfocus.org website about uh, about preventive strategies, and that's one that I think is uh, has been has been uh, not as well understood in the past. So we do have another question coming in uh, from Loretta from Pennsylvania, and this is really we we throw along around a lot of big words, and this one's just a definition, and and it's 
she's asking, have you heard of phytonutrients and what do you know of their results? Well, we've, we, we've spoken about a few phytonutrients earlier, earlier like lutein and zeaxanthin. Could, could you give us a definition to help people, help people who are trying to learn about the disease uh, work through this, uh, this alphabet soup? Sure. So phytonutrients, the, the term phyto actually comes from the Greek word for plant. So they are basically fruits and vegetables, anything that comes from a plant, whole grains, um, nuts, beans. Um, and there's tons of different phytonutrients. One of them is carotenoids. That's probably the most popular. There's about 200 different carotenoids. And lutein and zeaxanthin are part of that carotenoids group. So, yeah, again, coming back to the fruits and vegetables, you want to make sure that you're getting enough of those because those are nutrients that only come from plants and there's no other way to get them. So Betty from Indiana is asking about uh, is asking a very general question about can you describe the eye injections that Madeline was referring to? So, so, so what goes into these, what are they injecting into our eyes for macular degeneration, Dr. Davies? Sure. So there, there's a number of what we call anti-VEGF medications. Basically, they decrease the amount of um, new blood vessel growth. So, but yeah, it's just an anti-VEGF group. So, and the actual injections—they're called intravitreal injections. So they actually go into the globe of the eye. Um, again, like Madeline said earlier, it is kind of scary sounding, and um, I'm sure Madeline could answer a little bit more about her feelings of how it goes when she goes in. But basically, they inject it into the, they usually have you look up and inject it into the lower part below your pupil, below your cornea, into the white part of your eye which is the sclera, and the vitriol, the reason it's called intravitriol is it's going into the internals of your eye. The jelly-like substance that's inside your eye is called vitreous, so that's where we're injecting it into. Mm-hmm. Well, Madeline, do you, can you add anything? What's been your experience with those, uh, those eye, eye injections? As what? long as your doctor numbs your eye, there are uh, several different... Um, that they put in, a gel and a liquid, a gel and a liquid, they do it enough times, and then all you're feeling really is a little bit of pressure, uh, a little bit of a sting from the medications they put on to cleanse your eye, and then the injection, you feel a little bit of pressure. Um, it, it's, if you're feeling more than that, if you're feeling extreme pain or burning, then again, Talk to your doctor. Tell your eye doctor. Um, if he doesn't, you know, help you, then move on and find somebody who does because there's no reason for you to feel so much discomfort. It should be un- uncomfortable but not terrible, something that can be tolerated, and, and, and it only takes a second. So it, it's one, two, three, and it's it's over with. And as I said, numbing the eye is very, very important, a good retinal specialist that knows what he's doing that will will make you very comfortable. Well, thank you. So, uh, Elsie from Pennsylvania is asking about uh, questions about what else can be done that are more therapeutic, but she she has a, a question in there about using a small handheld computer. And we talked a little bit about the blue light that comes off of 
phones and iPads, things like that, the, things like those these days. But is there anything else about maybe small print or those small computers that might be damaging for our eyesight? And Dr. Davies, would you mind taking that one? Sure. I mean, you certainly want to use something that's comfortable to read, and, and some of that has to do with the pair of eyeglasses you're wearing. If you don't feel comfortable reading a certain size text, then you should talk to your eye doctor, optometrist, or ophthalmologist about maybe changing your prescription and making sure that the size of text is appropriate for you. As far as harmful things coming from that computer, the only thing that we know of is that blue light. Um, there's, uh, you know, there is certainly something, some studies that show that you actually get more dry eye when you're sitting staring at a screen in front of a computer. We actually blink a little less when we look at a computer screen. So that's something to consider as well. Um, but I think frequent breaks and just appropriate use in that we don't want to spend a lot of screen time is definitely merited. There's a and amazing I body... There, there, there's an amazing body of work out there also suggesting that, you know, many of us these days are reading books on tablets and reading them at night and that some of these uh, wavelengths of light can actually disrupt how we sleep or the the comfort of our sleep. But uh, Madeline, I think, had another an, another comment she wanted to interject here. Can, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Madeline. That's right. I, I just wanted to add to what the doctor said. Um, I I've had to revert to a Kindle to read because I love to read. And um, it, in the Kindle, you can enlarge the print, which makes it easier to see. And I've since ordered this sheet that goes over the top of my Kindle, which cuts back on the glare considerably. So it really has helped me a lot. And if I'm working on my computer, there's uh, some um, buttons that you can push to enlarge the print which also helps. I find with too much light, it, I can't see. Um, on a cl cloudy, overcast day, actually, I, it's my best time. I can see very well in an, a cloudy, overcast day, believe it or not, as long as it's not raining. But this shield over my Kindle, I'm going to look into it and see if I can't get it also on my phone. Um, and any other uh, devices that you might have to use. Now, I don't know, I'm not knowledgeable enough to know to say, well, it cuts out the blue light. I don't know that. I just know that it has cut the glare and has helped you to see better, if that's of yeah. any help to anybody. Dr. Davies, if you had something you wanted to insert on the last question. Sure. Just finishing up that last question, I appreciate you saying that the light does interfere with sleep because it definitely does. You know, when we're in the dark, our eyes actually signal from darkness to produce melatonin and help us to sleep. And being in front of a screen when we're getting ready to go to bed and having a lot of light coming towards our eyes does interfere with that pattern for sure. Well, I think we're we're starting to get to a point where we're running out of time here today. So we want to take a moment to say thank you so much to Dr. Davies and Madeline for taking the time to speak with us today. Uh, thank you to everyone who joined the call and asked us questions. We will be posting a recording and a transcript of this call along with all our other calls on the website. And you can listen to and download past chats on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can also like us on Facebook and use that as a resource for finding out about other, other things that are going on in the Internet community around macular degeneration. So our next chat will be on... 
Creating a Safe Home and Living with Low Vision, and that'll be on Wednesday, August 27th. That'll be 1 p.m. Eastern and 10 a.m. Pacific. And we do encourage you to register and submit questions in advance, and we'll be sending you a reminder email if you do so. You can register for that June chat right now and request lo- free low vision materials like our Amsler grid by calling us at Bright Focus at 1-800-437-2423 or visiting our website at brightfocus.org. That's dot O-R-G. Again, our phone number is 1-800-437-2423 or brightfocus.org website. We do love to get your feedback on these chats by asking one short question at the end of each chat and the question just like the last time is how do you rate that telephone call press one if it's very helpful press two if it's somewhat helpful and press three if it wasn't helpful at all while we're waiting for that i just want to remind that the bright focus chats are a monthly call and to find out about those upcoming chats just give us a call or check our website for updates we do have a number of free informational materials. Uh, I mentioned the Amster Grid. We also have brochures, like one entitled Macular Degeneration, The Essential Facts. And to request these copies, you can find them as well as Bright Focus or at the other, brightfocus.org or at the telephone number I mentioned earlier, 1-800-437-2423. Thank you, everyone, for your feedback. And if you'd like to leave a comment after the call, just stay on the line. Thanks from all of us at the Bright Focus Foundation, and have a great day. Thank you. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.